Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We have told our faculty members that for the most part, every class to the extent possible should be delivered uh, remotely if it can be. Um, and you know, there'll be a, a few options for purely in-person classes and, and a greater number for some kind of hybrid solution. But uh, really, for the vast majority of students, if they want to have a, a remote environment for the, for the fall, they'll be able to do that. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. With us today is Luke Figora, Senior Associate VP and Chief Risk and Compliance Officer for Northwestern University, my alma mater. Hi, Luke. How are you? Hey, Frank. Good. How are you? I'm good. 49 years ago, believe it or not, my mom and I flew to Chicago from our home in New Jersey. She dropped me off at Allison Hall at Northwestern. A few tears were shed. We hugged. We kissed goodbye. And I began my freshman year at Northwestern. For your incoming freshmen, this is going to be a very different kind of year than that. It will. Um, it's going to be uh, different for all of us. I think um, you know, with all the universities are trying to uh, work towards the fall that is uh, creating a, a healthy environment where we can. But it's going to be a different experience, especially for those first years you know, as they step uh, foot on college campus for the first time. You are in charge of the logistics for that very difficult transition. How is it going? I think it's going okay. I think there's... Um, there's a lot that goes into it. It is, uh, as I said to others, um, it's really forcing our entire uh, institution, but not you know, not just Northwestern, the entire industry, I would say, to, to rethink everything that we do. Uh, we have to, uh, you know, from move-in through dining, um, every single thing that has been kind of the core of our operations to change for a period of time. And, um, and there's a lot that goes into that. So I think, uh, you know, Northwestern is still about, four and a half weeks away from from that move-in period really beginning in earnest. Um, and there's a, a lot of work still left to do, but we, uh, we continue to move forward and, and, again, try to put these last pieces together. Northwestern is offering its students a choice of remote or on-campus learning. Tell us about that choice and how many have chosen each. Yeah, we are. So we've, uh, we did a webinar last week and... Um, I think we've tried to make it really clear that ultimately this is a very uh, personal decision for people and and whether they want to come back to campus or not. And uh, we are not forcing anyone to come back or um, telling them to to take one step or another at this point. We have told um, our faculty members that for the most part, 
every class to the extent possible should be delivered uh, remotely if it can be. Um, and you know, there'll be a, a few options for purely in-person classes and, and a greater number for some kind of hybrid solution. But uh, really for the vast majority of students, if they want to have a, a remote environment for the, for the fall, they'll be able to do that. And so, um, yeah, we are still, like I said, kind of about a month a month away from moving on for undergraduates, and for the most for most of our graduate programs, again, about a month and a half away from the start of classes, and uh, so we still don't know. And it's one of the challenges we have in the planning is we just don't know exactly today who's planning to come and who's not. Um, so far, we we still think there's a lot of demand for students to come back to campus. They want to have an on-campus experience, even if that is a little bit different, but we don't know the exact numbers today. Mayor Lori Lightfoot this pulled the plug on her hybrid plan with most students in the classroom two days a week and said that CPS will spend the first quarter at least in room learning with coronavirus creeping up. She said parents simply did not feel safe sending their kids to school and that teachers didn't feel comfortable either. What makes a college campus any more safe? In fact, it would be less safe, wouldn't it, with everybody living there? I think it's a different, I mean, it's a different, slightly different population, obviously, than the K through 12. And from a parental perspective, um, obviously, you're dealing with adults for the most part um, over the age of 18. And so that child care issue becomes slightly less for the parents that I think of, of our student population. Um, you know, we, as I kind of mentioned, the majority of our classes are going to be remote. Um, and uh, in where we have kind of in-person classes will be pretty limited. Those that we do have will be relatively low in uh, in actual kind of size, you know, the size of an individual classroom or a, a course. So uh, I think yeah, there is a desire for the other aspects of an in-person experience. It's not just about the classroom experience, but the broader kind of experience of being on campus and engaging, even again, if that is in a socially distant, uh, distant way. So I think we, um, we actually feel pretty comfortable with the precautions we can put into place, both in the classroom settings, in the residence halls, in our dining facilities, uh, things like that, that uh, can, can allow people to come where they need to in a, in a healthy way. Um, obviously, it's, uh, it's a little bit harder to, uh, to manage the off-campus aspect of things in that social environment, and I think that's where you know, more of the concern is. Illinois State University moved their classes online because it lacks the testing capability. What will be the testing like at Northwestern? Do you have the capacity? How quickly will you get the results? Yeah, we're still um, still finalizing all the details on our testing plan and our testing strategy. We, we plan to publish that out next week, but we will require uh, students that are coming to campus for in-person activities uh, to be tested uh, as they arrive and then before they come into the classroom space. And then there will be kind of recurring testing through the quarter. That, that will look different depending on uh, what type of student you are, whether you're an undergraduate kind of residential student versus an off-campus graduate student. Um, you know, the capacity isn't, uh, is obviously countrywide, isn't where we'd, we'd like it to be, um, but we feel that we've got the capacity that we need to, to execute on our testing strategy um, as it kind of exists today. We're partnering closely with uh, our clinical partners at Northwestern Medicine uh, to deliver a lot of our cl- uh, testing infrastructure on campus. And the turnaround time? It'll vary. Um, you know, I think we've been running tests uh, on campus for the last 
few months through our student health center, again, in, in partnership with our, our hospital partners and seeing turnaround times between uh, 12 and four, 24 hours for the vast majority of those, you know, with some going, you know, maybe two days or something like that. So we're not experiencing the uh, multiple week delays that we're hearing on some of the national labs. Uh, but again, you know, this can also change quickly as the supply chain issues, uh, you know, obviously impact various labs. But at the moment, we're getting pretty good turnaround time on this. Now, I've read some of your documents and the instructions you've sent to students and to the instructors. They are really dizzying in their detail. The fall quarter will begin with a two-week wildcat wellness period. Students will be required to follow a modified quarantine similar to Governor J.B. Pritzker's stay-at-home order from September 6th to the 20th. How do you police that? among college students who love to congregate and party. It's part of the whole college experience. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think we, we've we really seen, I think for the most part, our community come together on this since day one uh, of the pandemic. And, and I think the vast majority of people take it really seriously. And in an academic setting, they, they understand the implications of all this. So, um, yeah, I think this period, obviously, when you look at it, um, again, it, it's it's easier to to manage and enforce uh, when you look at your un, uh, undergraduate on-campus population. So you can do things in the residence halls to, to kind of create this. And obviously, uh, some of you have read our, our documents on some of these things. Um, you know, we are not going to do any Northwestern in campus pro, on campus programming, in person programming during that time. So we're not going to create any reason for people to congregate on our campus. Uh, we'll be able to uh, enforce things in the residence halls. We'll have set times when people might be able to go pick up their books or go get a wild card or whatever it might be. Um, you know, we're, we're we are asking obviously our off campus population to to take this seriously as well and to abide by the spirit of it because again really what we're trying to do is create um, a safe environment a healthy environment to start off the quarter and, and we know there's concerns about people traveling from all over the country into one location and our, our strong opinion that is if we can get everyone here allow things to kind of cool off for a period of time before we really start up in earnest that will go a long way in kind of helping the quarter start off well so um, you know again I think there are some people obviously that um, they don't love the idea of this. You know, it's not the, the uh, people's favorite way to start the quarter, but I think the vast majority of people understand why we're trying to do it, and, and I think we're cautiously optimistic about uh, you know the participation we'll see. What about the frat houses and the sororities and the rush and all that stuff? So they'll be you know they are uh, they are kind of in our in our buildings for the most part, right? So are um, in the middle of campus, and so again they're. The fraternities and sororities will be working with our residential life team to coordinate move-in and what policies around dining and things like that that can exist in uh, in this Wildcat wellness period. So we're expecting them to participate just like everyone else. And um, you know, we did a, a webinar town hall for our campus community last week or earlier this week, sorry, on, on health and safety. And, um, and we will have kind of conduct processes that go alongside this and um, uh, again, we're, we're, we're hoping to not use a heavy stick on this stuff, but we really want people to, to do the right thing. But if, uh, if we're not seeing, if we're seeing uh, certain segments of our population 
not participate in the way we would, you know, we would enforce conduct protocols from there. But um, you know, fraternities and sororities in many ways will be treated like our, our residence halls during this period. Your materials warn of disciplinary action against students who refuse to adhere to the guidelines of and including separation from the university. What behaviors could trigger that kind of nuclear option? So I think it'll vary, and um, and just like our, I mean, just like those conduct processes do in normal times, uh, the specifics of in, of events will dictate the likely outcomes from a conduct perspective. Uh, you know, we're not going to suspend someone for forgetting to wear a mask when they walk out of their building in a day, right? We'll we'll find ways to reinforce that good behavior and and remind people what they need to do. And and again, everyone's learning, and, and there will be mistakes as we go through it. Um, but I think if there are very direct intentional actions that put the broader health and safety of our community at risk, that's when you would see things escalate from a, from a conduct perspective. Like throwing a kegger that could be a super spreader event, something like that? Like, yeah, like fostering an event that is, uh, that is very clearly outside the bounds of, of our guidelines, our policies, and our expectations, and, and doing so kind of knowingly and willingly. Um, so, I mean, those are, the, uh, those are the scenarios, obviously, that, that people are worried about. And, uh, and we, again, we, we need everyone to be part of the same team as we, as we go forward on a successful quarter. Now, your materials say that classrooms and labs and learning spaces will look different. How? So they look a lot less dense um, at, at, from, a, from a basic perspective. So you know, when we tried to implement uh, social distancing in the classrooms and in the labs to a lesser degree, but in the classrooms, typically we saw a reduction in capacity, uh, generally about a third of what normal times might be. And so if you had a, if you had a classroom that could sit 100 students uh, in a socially distant environment is probably going to sit between 25 and 30 students. Um, and so we, uh, we've taken that step. We've removed uh, seating from rooms or we've, where we couldn't remove it. We've not uh, kind of marked off certain seats that they're not to be used. And so classrooms will just feel a lot less dense. Um, you know, the protocols in between classes, there'll be more time. Um, you know, hallways will be Kind of, you know, one directional. And so that whole, it'll just feel a little bit different in that administrative and, and academic space on campus. Obviously, um, you know, there will be much more visual and frequent uh, cleaning protocols. And when you walk into a classroom, you'll pick up your your wipes and you'll, you'll wash your hands and you'll uh, pick up uh, your, your wipes. You can wipe down your personal seating area. And so uh, some classrooms, depending on uh, the layout, may have additional uh, uh, kind of initial precautions in there, such as like a plexiglass area or something like that. And that won't be um, in each and every classroom. Again, everything everything's a little bit different. It depends on airflow and size and the age of the building. And so it'll absolutely feel different than it has in the past. What is the cause of all this to the university? How much money do you spend on all these protocols and cleaning devices and so on? And how much did Northwestern lose during the spring shutdown? So we haven't, uh, you, the, we're still obviously working towards the fall. Um, and when you factor in all the things that we're talking about, uh, testing, cleaning, uh, you know, infrastructure improvements, whatever it may be, 
there will be a, a significant expense to, to deliver that experience. Um, and again, that we haven't finalized that number yet, but it's, it's not immaterial. Uh, you know, for the fall or for the spring quarter, you know, we've obviously posted some some information publicly, and we've alluded to uh, you know a revenue downfall. Uh, you know, the the actual expense associated with the current fiscal year, um, you know, kind of the spring quarter and summer quarter, hasn't been as significant. Um, you know, it was more about uh, again the uh, the revenue associated with uh, closing the residence halls or something like that. But when you look at the fall, there will be uh, you know the testing is expensive. Uh, no, there's no two ways about it. Um, you know, running. Uh, hourly cleaning in certain uh, areas is expensive, but those I think we see as just uh, the baseline of things we have to do if we want to bring people back and, and create the environment that's uh, the right one to bring them back to. Did you offer tuition breaks or refund room and board? And shouldn't somebody who has a remote experience only get a tuition break? So we have not, we did refund uh room and board in the spring quarter uh, for the students that need to leave, leave the residence halls. Um, for the fall quarter, we have not done any, we've not announced at this time any tuition discounts. I think we and our faculty um, have spent an amazing amount of time trying to deliver uh, an experience that is strong academically, regardless of the modality that you, you take a class. And, and that's been, I think, one of our core principles as we've gotten closer to the fall here is um, yeah, there are there are some students that don't have an option. They have to take a remote course. You know, they might international students are an example that might not be able to get back into the country. And there are others that that won't want to for their own personal reasons or the courses that they might want to take or need to take this year will only be offered remotely. Um, and so we've really said we want that experience academically to be just as strong and it's the same course material and the same educational outcomes. And so, um, so that, that's where we've been so far on the, on the tuition question, obviously, um, you know, at this stage, we're still planning to bring uh, students back to campus. And, uh, and again, if things change uh, over the coming weeks, we'll obviously reevaluate everything that we're doing. But some parents may decide it's not worth it to spend sixty or $70,000 a year for remote learning for their son or daughter. Are you concerned about losing students to community colleges or kids taking a gap year? Was there a fall off in applications compared to pre-pandemic levels because of all that? Uh, yeah, again, I think there's personal decisions that people make for their own individual reasons. Um, you know, at a high level, I would say we have not seen significant uh, changes in, in enrollment um, in our application pools that continue to be to be very strong. And so at this time, um, you know, it does not appear to be kind of significant melt from, a, from an academic enrollment perspective. Um, obviously, every program is a little bit different when you look at the university uh, holistically. But again, I think there is uh, still strong demand. And, you know, our, and our president has done a few interviews on this topic as well. And I think, um, you know, the, the alternatives that are out there right now aren't uh, overly strong as well. When you look at, you know, maybe in the past what you might do during a gap year, you know, travel internationally, have an internship experience, whatever it might be. And obviously a lot of those experiences aren't available. So, so far I would say um, you know, enrollment has held up um, just, as, just as we more or less would have expected it to. We are still, as I said earlier, still trying to figure out exactly who's going to come to campus next month. Um, and uh, But at, the, at this moment, we haven't seen significant drop-off. But how do you justify charging the same for less? 
Well, I think we would say that um, we're not providing something less. I think the you know, the academic experience, um, our, you know, our faculty members, when you look at back at the spring, really, you know, had to change things overnight, right, and move to, uh, within really two weeks, build a, a full uh, remote curriculum without the vast majority of them without having done that before. And our academic results, our feedback from our uh, academic surveys, you know, we call evaluations, were actually just as strong as they'd ever been and in some ways, in some ways better. And so, uh, you know, with the additional three months here over the summer to fully prepare, I mean, obviously, We've been saying that we, we want, strongly want an in-person experience where we can have it, but it's been clear that entire time that uh, a significant portion of our classes would likely be remote. And so I think we feel actually that our, you know, our academic um, delivery, even for those remote classes, will be even stronger than last year in the fall. And so, um, again, the, the amount of time that our faculty members, academic departments have put into delivering a curriculum um, it's really been it's, it's pretty amazing when you think about trying to turn again the whole model upside down. Um, so again, so far I would say that the feedback from last year was better than anyone expected, and I think we feel even stronger about what we're able to deliver this year. What about dorm life? I remember double rooms, bathrooms down the hall, dining halls that where people lined up to eat early. How do you make that safe? It's going to be, again, it'll be one of those things I think that feels different. Um, you know, so we we moved into a, kind of the default is a single room um, with the option for students to opt into a double if they feel comfortable or if they have someone they have a personal relationship with and they feel comfortable living with. And so uh, the exact numbers, again, are still uh, yet to be determined as people finalize their decisions. But we saw just as much interest in, in doubles as in singles. And so we'll have a mix of doubles and singles on campus. You know, nothing, nothing bigger than that. Um, so it will be much less dense in the residence halls than it would have been in the past. And um, you know, things like common areas and lounges and the congregation space obviously will be changed from a social distancing perspective. So you know, the social environment in the residence halls is going to is going to look and feel different. Um, you know, there will be protocols when you map out kind of the number of students on a floor, you know, doubles or singles. Obviously, we're mapping that to the number of restrooms on the floors um, and, and making sure that we're not exceeding certain internal targets that we've set on these things. And again, the cleaning frequency in, in the residence hall bathrooms, you know, is kind of high, obviously higher than it's ever been. Um, so it'll, you will try to create that environment that best creates a, you know, a healthy situation for students to move into. Um, you know, the, we, I think we've said in, in our most recent set of messaging, obviously masks aren't required in individual rooms, but for the most part, everywhere else in the residence halls, you'll be expected to wear a mask and, um, you'll be expected to be socially distanced. And so it'll feel, again, it'll feel different. Um, it won't be potentially quite the same experience, but we think that we've been able to do enough from a density perspective um, and kind of the operational changes to, again, to create that healthy environment. Masks everywhere except your room and no guests in the room. Good luck trying to police that with college students. <laughs> well, yeah, again, this is, these are the, uh, the open issues, right? The open questions is kind of how do people how seriously do, do students take this and, um, and how much do you have to enforce versus how much good behavior happens 
somewhat naturally and how much have people become in tune with it over the uh, over the summer and so I think um, obviously a, a residence hall environment is one that you can you can control a little bit better um, than obviously an off-campus apartment or something like that um, and so we'll see we, we've had uh, we had students that uh, that stayed on campus through the spring quarter because they couldn't leave and then we had some over the summer as well and we have some we have some students in the residence halls today as kind of uh, some early start activity and actually i think the you know, the participation the compliance has been uh, has been pretty good i think again the the idea of putting on your mask when you leave your room or when you leave, you know going to leave your house in the morning is becoming second nature to some people and uh, and uh, again for the most part we're seeing people take it seriously and pay attention you're returning to standard grading what's the thinking there I think uh, yeah, this is one that I don't I don't know that I can give you the best uh, the best answer on it. It's a little out of my uh, out of my ballywick as a non-academic, but uh, but I think there was a strong desire to again get back to normalcy where we can, and um, and grading is part of that. Um, and I think there this is another area where um, it's impossible to get to a one size fits all kind of to make everyone happy. I think there's a significant segment of the population that wants to be back on letter grading. There are impacts. Letter grades have impacts on graduate school admissions, and um, and there there were some concerns about moving to pass-fail in the past. And so, um, again, the, the goal is, while this will be a, a different academic year, there will be some things that should feel still um you know, like like the uh, the normal kind of academic program. So, again, there's probably more there that uh, that's a little again outside of my my knowledge space. But um, I think the the strong desire, there, the majority uh, desire kind of across campus is to get back to to letter grades. I think I brought a couple of trunks of stuff to school my first year. You were asking students <laughs> to bring limited personal items in the event there is a need to, as you put it, de-densify during fall quarter. What does that mean and what would trigger it? Yeah, so so it could mean a couple different things, but, um, you know, obviously there's, as all of us are learning every day in our lives, there's just a degree of nimbleness and flexibility that's, that's required right now. And, um, and part of that is going to be living in residence halls. And so obviously from a, from a worst case scenario if things uh, continue to trend across the country or if there's some uh, specific event here in Chicago or unique to Northwestern um, you know there's always the chance that we have to pivot back and, and move students out of the residence halls like we did in the spring quarter um, obviously we're, we're hoping to not have to do that but that is an option and that is part of the impetus for saying you know, pack lightly uh, because there's a chance that that we may need to empty the residence halls at some point in time. You know, on top of that, uh, you know, as we know, there's the chance that some students can get sick or they could be identified via contact tracing and, and need to move into quarantine space for a period of time. And so um, I think just from a, again, logistics perspective, staying flexible, staying nimble, the quarter is already truncated. Um, you know, as you kind of said, we're we're going to end the quarter by uh, by Thanksgiving. It's a relatively short period of time, um, and so we're hoping again that people come come light, uh, bring what they need, obviously, uh, but be prepared in the event things need to change. Are you talking about a backpack? <laughs> no, hopefully more than a backpack. Uh, you know, they could they could have a few bags. Uh, again, this isn't going to be something we're going to have. Uh, 
you know, straight, uh, strict weight limits or something like that when you get on an airplane. But, um, again, I think the, the goal is just to be, um, to, to create an environment that, that makes it, uh, as easy as possible to make changes if and when we would, we would need to. And, um, you know, as we saw in the spring with, when none of us had any uh, preparation for this, um, you know, we had, we had students that had a lot of their personal items and things that they you know, may have wanted or needed that were stuck in a residence hall room, uh, you know, for a few months and they couldn't get back to Chicago to, to get access to it. And you have to figure out, you know, how do we either store this for the summer or ship it to them? And again, I think we're, we're hoping to avoid any, uh, any of that. there'll be some of it, obviously you can't get, you can't get everything into backpacks, but, uh, but again, we're just hoping to, hoping to stay light this year going into it. What happens to students who test positive? So they would go into um, go into kind of our, our case management protocol, our positive case management protocol, which uh, obviously we follow very closely the CDC guidelines and guidance from our public health partners. And so um, for the most part, if you're positive, that means you're self-isolating, um, just like the CDC says, through the gating criteria, whether that be you know, the fixed, uh, fixed period of time um, or the extended period with kind of symptom clearance. And so... Um, They'll obviously be expected to do that. Uh, it varies a little bit if you're an on-campus student or if you're an off-campus student. So if you live on campus, we have uh, reserved space for kind of isolation and, and quarantine. And so you'd, you'd be moved into that space and, uh, you know, again, meals, meals provided and, and daily health checks and things like that. If you're off-campus, uh, those students will primarily self-isolate at home. Um, and uh, again, similar daily, daily health and well-being checks just to make sure that medically they're okay. Um, again, we, we've had a little bit of experience with this. We've had, we've had some students move in and out of quarantine or isolation space over the last four or five months. Um, it's complicated. It's, yeah, there's a lot of logistics and moving pieces to it. But, uh, but again, it, it's something that we've started to start to get used to. So uh, again, it's, uh, the, the good news is the vast majority, like all of our students that have been uh, either suspected to be positive or uh, actually positive, um, you know, the, the medical implications are, are relatively low for them, have been relatively low for them. Um, I think they uh, generally are asymptomatic or have very light kind of cold or flu uh, symptoms. They feel okay. It's a, it's a very boring period of time, you know, sitting in a room for for two weeks and uh, again, taking your classes remotely or playing video games or whatever it might be. Um, but at least they kind of medically, they, they do. Okay. I think the, the other piece to it that, that we're cognizant of is the, you know, the mental health aspect. And, um, and, and that's not just if you're in quarantine or isolation space, but just more generally, if we bring students back in the fall, it's, uh, it's difficult. It's difficult for all of us. And it's just uh, one more thing we're, we're sensitive to. What will the dining halls be like? Strictly grab and go? Um, it'll be a mix. It'll be there will be a uh, significant grab and go uh, component. There will be the, there will be some ability to eat in um, you know tent type space, uh, kind of in, again in a socially distanced uh, manner. Um, yeah, so the density will be much lower than your traditional dining hall. There won't be things like the open buffet, you know, like you may remember, and you go in and kind of pick up your own food and put it into a, onto a tray or something. It will be more of, you know, prepackaged opportunities or, you know, order ahead, pick up, and then, you know, go to your designated space. And the gorgeous fitness center on the lakefront, will that be open? Fitness center will be open. It again, like everything else, will look a little bit different. And in, in, in areas like that, we're closely following 
the guidance from the city on uh, the city and the public health department, just in terms of you know what gyms and exercise facilities should look like. But it'll be open. There will be some opportunity there for uh, or for people to get physical exercise, obviously, you know, throughout the quarter. Luke Fagora, Senior Associate VP and Chief Risk and Compliance Officer for Northwestern. I wish you the very best of luck managing this very complicated transition to campus life. Nothing like my college experience. No, thank you, Fran. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, feel you should at some point this quarter, you know, take a stop in over on campus once we uh, have visitors up and running again and, and take a look and see what it looks like. Okay, see you all next week.